Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm Joe Masato, joined by Barry Trammell. Here to recap, after a few days off, the Thunder's 113-110 overtime loss to the Indiana Pacers on Friday night at Paycom Center. A wild game of, you know, two tanking teams, one team that we didn't think would be in the tank race in the Indiana Pacers, but they've had so many injuries that they're uh, they're now in there, and, and it made it a... Uh, a very important game, uh, more important than you would think a Thunder Pacers January game would be. And Barry, it looked like the Thunder was going to pull away in the third quarter. They were up by 16. Um, then they were up in the fourth quarter. They go scoreless the final two minutes of regulation. Thunder goes to overtime, their first overtime game of the season. They get up six in overtime. Looks like they're going to win it again. Um, Pacers take the lead, and then the Thunder on a play that – really stuck out if you watch this game 20 seconds left they trap the pacers um get the steal and josh giddy passes to darius basley looks like basley you know it wasn't quite a ben simmons situation but he passes up a pretty easy layup look tries to dump it off trey man fumbles the ball he misses a layup mike mescala misses a putback and that's pretty much it um barry what do you think of that sequence right there well, I mean, Trey Mann was clearly sort of out of his element. Um, we've seen him score quite a bit on the jump shots. We've seen him score on the floaters, those kinds of things. But he hadn't got the ball two feet from the basket with a bunch of big guys around him very often. So he was out of his element. Muscala just, that was sort of a, that was just a scramble, you know, put back or, or follow shot. Uh, just didn't go in, and um, you know the Thunder had the Thunder had this one a couple of times, and as you said, they just sort of let it let it get away, usually pretty quickly. Uh, I thought the key play in the game in overtime, Lou Dort had played so fantastically. He has twenty seven points. He's ten of sixteen uh, shooting, eight rebounds, four assists. He just played a phenomenal game. But the Thunder, I think they were up one. I think they're late. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, they were up one, and with 45 seconds, he decides to drive in, and uh, Indiana, uh, I think it was uh, Holiday, Justin Holiday comes over and slaps the ball away from him, uh, and gets a gets a fast break layup, give Pacers the the lead for good, and you know I hated to see that happen to Dort after such a great game, but. To me, that was the key play of the game when when the tide turned for good. Um, Dort would have definitely been the hero if the Thunder won this because he hit two really big threes in overtime to give them yeah. that six-point lead and took on a bigger burden after Shea Gilgis-Alexander went out. And, and Barry, depending on what the, the outlook of his injury is, that's going to be the biggest takeaway 
from this game because it did not look good in the third quarter. Shea drives, Sabonis fouls him. The, the foul didn't result in the injury, but just on the drive, Shea turns his ankle pretty badly. He stepped, he stepped on somebody's foot, uh, Duarts or somebody's foot, and did not look good at all. Did not look good at all. Yeah, and he stays in to shoot the free throws, misses both free throws. He hobbles off the floor, and usually you see a guy like sit on the bench first, and then the trainers look at him, and then they take him back to the locker room. He went straight to the locker room without stopping, um, so he knew it was bad. Mark Dagnall said after the game that they don't know anything more now, but they'll know more tomorrow. I'm actually not sure if we will get an update on Saturday, though, because the Thunder is off. They're not practicing, but they'll practice Sunday before their game Monday, so um, at the latest, we'll know something Sunday, but uh, don't want to project too much of how long he'll he'll miss, but um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's multiple games. No, not at all. And, you know, the Thunder were in, were in the midst of playing pretty well when he goes out. They'd open that second half with, with a dominant stretch. Um, can't remember the score when he got hurt, but... Um, let's see, it was 62-51, Thunder's up, and they eventually got it up to, was it 70-54, to I think. Yeah, 16. But but then the Pacers start chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, and, um, you know, made it a a great game down the stretch. So, um, yeah, SGA, you know, the Thunder's actually been pretty lucky, pretty fortunate with injuries this year. They haven't had many uh, of of substantial length. You figured they were due. This might be this might be where it starts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um th- this one, you know, before before the crazy ending and the Shea injury happened, this one started off intriguing, I thought, because of the starting lineup. A starting lineup we haven't seen all season. Four guards, one big. Shea, Giddy, Dort, Trey Mann making his third start, and then Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Um, a, a lineup that, you know, the Thunder can go to against a team like the Pacers. First off, the Pacers aren't very good. Second off, Miles Turner is hurt. Um, the Pacers start very small themselves with basically, you know, four guards slash wings and Sabonis. So if there's a time you can do that, it's against this team. But I, I thought it was fun. I mean, to have an extra shooter on the floor in Trey Mann creates a little more space. And then it got even more fun to start the second half because Mascala started for Robinson Earl. So then you had those four guards plus a shooting big in Mascala. And um, I, I just think it's something they can tinker with a little bit. Yeah, and I thought it was a, I thought it was an interesting team to do it against, though, because – Mark Dagnall's been pretty conscious this year of of using his centers against certain opponents, and to go small with with Robinson Earl as your big against Sabonis. I mean, Sabonis is not a physical uh, marvel in terms of you know a massive seven footer or anything, uh, but he's a bull. He's insanely strong. He is he is something. I love Tomatis Sabonis. What a ball player he is. Now he missed a few shots. He was nine of sixteen tonight, but he goes for twenty four points, eighteen rebounds, and ten assists. He's a ball playing fool, Tomatis Sabonis. 
What what so, would you have done? Favors is out, by the way. So what would you have done? Well, I mean, against, uh, without favors, that limits you. Yeah. Uh, no doubt about it. Um, uh, one thing that, that uh, you know, I, I don't... Uh, uh, I don't, I don't think KT is uh, capable of really matching up too much. He does give you more athletic ability and height, but he'd have been he'd have been overpowered. Uh, Muscala can probably stand up to him to some degree, um, but uh, you know it it, it 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 seemed like maybe Baisley and a center, if you're really trying to match up with the Pacers, you know, so that might be the the way to go yeah. is, is play bigger with the lineup. Uh, but it was a fun lineup. Uh, you know, they, when, they when did they close fir- bigger as well. They, they closed the fourth quarter and overtime with Baisley in there in a bigger lineup. Kenrich Williams in there a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. Man didn't until the end, man yeah. didn't, uh, get in there. And of course the, you know, the thunder, even when they're small, they can be big. I mean, Giddy's a rebounding fool and Lou Dort, you know, is a is a, uh, a granite wall, so it's not like they're a bunch of pushovers, but um, but yeah, it was it was a case of Sabonis. He's a load for anybody, but he was going to be a load for this Thunder lineup tonight. Yeah, um, I, I think it's it's fun when they can go Giddy. Giddy can basically play the four on defense when they go with that. Look, it's it's because and might be better off. And might be better yeah, off playing be, the four on defense because he's he's big enough to do it. Um, you know, he's he's got decent he's got decent size, and he doesn't have the speed to keep up with the guards. So if you put right. him against a, a four, who's you know whoever he was guarding to start, Tory Craig or you know Justin Holiday, whatever, like he can keep up with those guys and, and hold his own. Yeah. So. Uh, so I thought it was I, I like the experimentation I think you need uh, uh, they've done a lot of that Doug Nolte's done a lot of it I, I endorse that I, no reason to sit there and, and go chalk that mm-hmm. doesn't get you anywhere um, in a season like this so uh, now man didn't end up playing all that well um, he missed uh, eight of his 11 shots all four of his two point shots Ironically enough, he, he didn't um, play well, but man, Barry, that that step back is—it's good. It I'm, is I'm fired lethal. up about it. He's three of seven. Yeah, that's that's something they can use. He is, gets so much space on that. It's it's incredible how he gets guys to bite. And and there was one play, end of a shot clock. He gets into the step back, creates a shot. They they just don't have a lot of guys who can just create that easily on their own. I'm not saying a make, but just a shot. Right. No. Yeah. So I like it. I like it a lot when he plays. When when Trey Man when he when he plays, I'd like to see him actually play more. Uh, more Trey Man is is something I'd I, sign I would up too. for. I, I thought they should have closed with him because you know who who really cares. And also, it gives them that experience to do that, and he gives you an offensive threat out there. So yeah, and uh, let's see. Did he? St- yeah, he didn't start the overtime. He came in. Hmm. Uh, Forty seconds left. He comes in. He comes in when they're down. When they're down one, so. Uh, I think he checked was, in for Kenneth Williams. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly right. He did. He did indeed. Um, so, yeah, I, I like. Uh, I, I found out something new today. I, something I didn't know. Uh, it's easy public information. Everybody should know it, and it really encouraged me about the future. 
Dork went to the line late. Can't remember when. He's in regulation, I think. And um, you know, I, I, and I, it popped into my head. What? How good of a foul shooter is Lou Dort? Is he like average or below average, above average? What is he? And it flashes on the television screen. He's an eighty-five percent foul shooter this season. That's excellent. And that, to me, is an indicator that his three-point improvement is actually, could he get even better? Good foul shooting is generally a, a, uh, a precursor to better three-point shooting. So um, I, I, when he made the two foul shots, I think he was four for four tonight. I hadn't even thought about whether Lou Dort's a good foul shooter. But turns out he is. I I take that as a very good sign for his continued offensive development. Yeah. Um. I guess aside from Dort, a lot of a lot of missed th- free throws from both sides in this game. Yeah, that was that was sixty-two and fifty-nine percent. That was not. Yeah, that was not <laughs> textbook there. Uh, um, that was not textbook at all. Um, what do you think? Do you have any guesses on what happens to Sabonis if they decide to move him? Well, I mean, what happens to the Pacers if they decide to move him? Why wouldn't you trade Miles Turner? That's who I'd trade. If they can't play together, send out Miles Turner. Yeah. I mean, Sabonis is a big-time player. You can build around DeMontis Sabonis. Um, so, now who else are they missing? They're missing Brogdon. They're missing Miles Turner. T.J. McConnell, T.J. Warren. T.J. Warren you know, has sort of been... Uh, perennially hurt. Um, they have Jeremy Lamb. Uh, yeah, Jeremy Lamb is a strange bird. He didn't end up, <laughs> I think you can he, stop there. <laughs> <laughs> he actually helped him out there at the end. He had, uh, what was it, uh, t- he had uh, 14 points and was instrumental down the stretch. He had two drives. I think it was an overtime. Uh, when they were down six, I think he had two straight drives to sort of get them close again. But I thought he would be playing more, with, especially with so many injuries. His he numbers did. are down quite a bit, and he's actually turned in a couple of good seasons, um, sort of. Yeah, under the, that's, he, you know, yeah. he's been stuck in Charlotte and Indiana, two places where you don't pay too much attention to him. Um, but he's he's done some good things. Maybe he's a guy that could. I, I don't know what value you could get from him, but um, what. What were you? Um, what was your thoughts on? What were your thoughts on Jeremy Lamb when he was here? Like, did you like his potential? Or that's uh, that's what he was was all potential, and the Thunder gave him every chance, especially after they traded. Well, I mean, they traded him for James Harden, but after Kevin Martin left, after the one year, after the thirteen season, the thirteen playoffs, the Thunder gave Jeremy Lamb every chance to be either a starting wing or sixth man. And he just never really, you know, he just never really developed. Um, And they ended up giving up on him, sent him to Charlotte. He actually became a decent player in Charlotte and probably even better in Indiana. Um, He had a few moments, a few good games, but he just didn't show enough enough fire, enough initiative for, for anybody in Oklahoma City to get real excited about him. Yeah. Uh, Barry Tail Maladon. And, and let me say this: yes, He also, sir. it's a bad, it's a bad lot getting traded, you know, 
for James Harden. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, even Stephen Adams was the draft pick that came with for the Harden deal, and people, you know, people hold that against Stone Cold Stephen Adams. So they're sure going to hold it against Jeremy Lamb. Mm-hmm. Uh, Teo Maladon back with the Thunder after three weeks in the blue, and Barry, his numbers in with the blue were were really good. And I know it's not like something that blue or G League success certainly doesn't equal NBA success. Um, but in 14 games with the blue, he averaged 17.7 points, 5.7 rebounds, and 5.3 assists on 50% shooting. And um, that's, that's that at least beats the alternative, which is playing poorly with the blue, and that's what Alexei Pokashevsky is, is doing. His percentages are about as bad with the blue as they were with the Thunder and doesn't seem to be making a ton of progress, and Maladone gets the call-up. Poku does not. Uh, he played 12 minutes off the bench. You know, nothing nothing too flashy, but Dagnalt said, hey, we recalled him. He did everything we asked him to do with the blue. He played well. We're going to reward him with minutes tonight, and um, he, he's going to get a chance to stick. Um, he, he's got he's to put something together, though, uh, now that he's back up. I'd feel better if he hadn't airballed that three-pointer, um, <laughs> and he missed it badly. It's one thing to airball a three-pointer. That's pretty bad, but he airballed it by a wide margin. Um, I actually have no idea what's going on with Theo Maladone because I thought he played really solid last year. He looked like a future backup point guard for the Thunder on a decent team. And this year he just looks like a, you know, looks like a a fringe NBA player and maybe a G leaguer. So I have no idea what's going on with he him, what happened. So, like, he also seemed so like composed and mature for his age last year. And, and I I don't know this for sure, but he, he looks a little unsure of himself, out of rhythm, like maybe a little nervous. I don't know. You know, last year he looked like he was playing pace. You know, it wasn't like he was playing. He was playing at his own pace. He was playing slow, but you got the feeling he was sort of dictating that pace. This year he's playing slow, and it looks like the whole world's just going past him. So I don't know what what's going on. I sort of like the guy, so um, he's way. It's way too early to give up on him. But it, he has taken a fairly significant step back in his sophomore season, and that's not a good move. That's not. That's not good for a guy's career. Is it way too early to give up on Poku? Um. No, there's no. There's no reason to. There's no reason to, right, right. I'm not out but on Poku, only, but, I'm, reason, but I'm fairly that's the close. Only, that's, the, <laughs> that's the only reason not to give up on him, is that there's no reason to right now. If you had any skins in the game, if the games mattered at all, well, heck, no, you wouldn't put him out there. He's not an NBA-level player, I don't think, right now, and maybe ever. And you talk about missing badly. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like that missing badly stuff. So, can I uh, can I read you a stat line in the G League? Oh my goodness, yes! I'm sitting down. I'm sitting down. <laughs> so he's played nine games with the Blues, small sample. He's shooting 37 percent overall, 30 percent from three. He has as many turnovers as assists, 
and he has attempted a whopping three free throws in 228 minutes. Oh, man. He just can't buy a foul, can he? No. I mean, it, um, the 30% three-point shooting is actually a little bit of an <laughs> <Yeah>. encouragement. Because, <laughs> what is he, 21% or something in, in, yeah, is, with know. the Thunder or something crazy? So those numbers aren't as bad as I was maybe thinking. Um, but, yeah. Um, it's it's pretty bad, though, considering the the competition. I mean, he's basically yeah. putting up the same numbers against the blue as he did against – or with the blue as he did with the Thunder. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not like – like, Poku is just not as big of a – we were all excited about him last year. We talked about him a ton. And he's kind of become an afterthought this season because he's down with the blue. He hasn't – when he's been with the Thunder, he hasn't played much or well. And, you know, I think everyone knows, like, this is going to be a long process. Or like all those like fringe guys like him just aren't going to work out, even though he's like a potential unicorn. He's very, 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 very far off with an unlikelihood of ever hitting. Yeah, let's see. This year, let's see. Uh, Poku is shooting twenty three percent from three point range. Um, he has shot. Uh, Poku has has. 14 foul shots in 544 Thunder minutes. Uh, I mean, that's just ridiculous. Um, you gotta, you, you gotta get something going for a seven footer. Uh, yeah, for yeah, for a seven footer. That's right. So, yeah, uh, my optimism is at an all time low. I would say for Poku, no doubt about it. Me too. Uh, wrapping this one up, not a huge deal, but something I thought was interesting. Um, Aaron Wiggins, who's basically been a, I called him a semi-regular starter. He's, he's played in every game since late December, been playing well. He gets a DNP coach's decision, the only active player who, who doesn't get any minutes tonight. I asked Agnalt about it after the game. He said, you know, there's it's a numbers game. There's not enough minutes to go around. Part of Maladone playing is uh, taking away minutes from, from Wiggins, but I was a little surprised that Wiggins didn't play at all. Yeah, you know he's sixth in the on the team in starts. He's made sixteen starts, and only Baisley, Robinson, Earl, Giddy, SGA, and Dort have more. So that's that is sort of odd. Um, but he, the other thing, the thing about Wiggins is even though he's a rookie. He's not a long-range, long-term project because he's already 23 years old. Um, you know, he's going to get better, but you sort of know what he is and what he can be. So there's not a lot of mystery there. If you want him to play, it's not because you're, it's not because you're trying to really discover anything. That's the way it is with Maladon or Poku or, you know, some of these other guys. But... With Wiggins, you just want him to play because he's a rookie and he needs to play. Um, but if he doesn't play, it's not that it's not that detrimental because he, he's at twenty three. He's the same age as SGA and uh, and older than you know, a bunch of these guys. You know, way older than he's older than Lou Dort. You want to hear something crazy? the The Pacers started a rookie tonight, Chris Duarte, who is older than every Thunder starter. Really? 
Yeah, older than SGA, older than Dort, of course, Giddy. Um, but yeah. How old is Dort? How old is Dort? 24? 24. Wow. I actually was fascinated by the Pacers because you mentioned it earlier. We never get to see them. Um, so it was sort of fun. You know, they hadn't been a deep playoff team in quite a while back when Paul George was there. You saw them play a bunch. But um, this this team, two things struck out at me. Uh, Karis LeVert is not very good. Um, that seemed to be a lot of people's takeaway tonight. He, I mean, he wasn't good tonight, but just in general – he, he's three of nineteen shooting. I don't know. You, I don't. Uh, you, you probably couldn't see it at the on, at the game, but they're late in the game. They're down. Uh, I think it was regulation. Maybe it's overtime. I can't remember. But he he throws a pass on the wing to uh, Holiday and misses him. It just goes out of bounds. And he barks at Holiday something about you're supposed to be moving or something. Well, Holiday going back down the court just rolls his eyes. Um, and, you know, to me, I, I don't know who made the wrong play. It certainly looked like Lavert is the one that screwed up to me. Who knows, though? But I just, you know, I'm not that big on Karis Lavert. Um, yeah, the Pacers uh, also play. Um, I, I, I try to know every player in the league, but the Pacers tested me tonight with Dwayne Washington Jr. and Terry Taylor. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know anything about those guys. What can you tell me about them? <laughs> I know that Goga Batadze, uh, the big guy, number 88, he's the guy that got into it with the coach last year. Uh, nobody liked that coach, whoever his yeah. name was, from Nate Denmark. Or, yeah, wherever he was. <laughs> I don't know who he was. But um, So that's the only time I've ever heard of Batadze. Uh, O'Shea Brissett, I'd seen a little bit. But, of course, the, the star of the show, <laughs> anytime the Anytime the paces are out there and you're not talking about Sabonis, the star of the show Lance. is Lance Stevenson Lance is back Stevenson. in the league. <laughs> he, you know, he, he sits out two years trying to get back in the NBA, and he comes in, and he actually plays well. You know, he's just crazier than a loon bird. Uh, but he was always a tough defender and just tough as nails as a player. And tonight he has – he makes three of his six shots and scores seven points and has four assists and four rebounds and generally gets with it. So the guy's just um, talking to himself nonstop and <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, he's he's a joy. I like Lance he, Stevens. He's, you know, and he harkens back. He was he was part of the golden days of, of oh, the Pacers yeah. back when back when they had a you know solid starting lineup with with. Uh, you know all those guys around Paul George and a really Roy Hibbert. good team, yeah. yeah and uh, they really had a good team. So that was sort of fun seeing Lance Stevenson back on the court. Um, you know, it's, it's just it's like a throwback to 2015, is what it was. Yeah, um, I'll leave you with a couple thoughts. Terry Taylor, he uh, he played in his fourth NBA game tonight. He's from Bowling Green, Kentucky, and played college ball at Austin P. And wow, um, he had, well, he had five rebounds, so I give him credit for that. He had eight points, all of them from two feet away, but that's okay. How about this, Barry? Dwayne Washington Jr., his uh, uncle is Derek Fisher. Uh, he was born in Frankfurt, Germany, and he went to college at Ohio State. So, Dwayne Washington Jr. is the nephew of Derek Fisher? That's what it says. That's well, what that's basketball reference says. Well, I mean, they don't generally screw things up. 
It's fascinating. And his dad, Dwayne, Dwayne Washington, as you might have guessed, um, he played for the New Jersey Nets in 1987-88, 15 games. And then 1992-93 played four games with the Clippers. So um, wow. we're learning all kinds of things this evening. Yeah, he made he made a couple of baskets. They needed them all. <laughs> they needed them. So yeah, <laughs> one of his three pointers was was indeed the difference tonight. Um, all right, Barry, that was that was fun. Um, good to be back on the Thunder Buddies Pod, and the Thunder's off for a couple of days, um, and then they're back Monday. So we'll we'll talk to you then. Thank you so much for listening to the Thunder Buddies Podcast.